Hi everyone, thank you for joining us on Eagle Eye today. Every week we have exclusive interviews with your favorite BC student athletes, professors, alumni, and more. Make sure to follow The Heights on Instagram and Facebook to recommend guests you'd like to hear from. You can catch up on the latest headlines on The Heights Facebook and Twitter pages every Monday. On today's exciting because we have a very special guest, um, urban uh, sociologist Dr. Lacey Satcher, a new assistant professor of sociology and environmental studies at Boston College with interest in the intersection of inequality, environment, and health, uh, specifically in neighborhoods that have a shortage of resources such as economic health, uh, diversity, and educational barriers. Uh, Dr. Satcher, can you please uh, introduce yourself and give a little background about yourself? Well, of course. Hello, everyone. I am um, Dr. Lacey Satcher. Um, um, as you all just said, I am a new professor here. Um, I've just started in August. Um, I'm in the sociology department as well as the environmental studies program. Um, I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi, um, but I finished grad school um, at Vanderbilt. So um, prior to coming to Boston, I was in um, Nashville, Tennessee for six years. And so I'm new to Boston um, and looking forward to um, experiencing more of Boston and of course, more of the you know, students and faculty at, at Boston College. How have you liked BC so far? Like, is it, has it been tough to adjust or anything or have you like been, have you liked it so far? So um, adjusting to life as a professor more generally has been more of like, uh, the issue at the forefront, not necessarily to BC. I think those adjustments would have happened no matter what university I um, would have ended up at. So um, just adjusting going from grad school, a grad student to professor has been um, not that challenging, but just weird. Um, we're getting out of the space of like, not the student, but the the one, you know, leading the class um, has been interesting and challenging in, in some ways, but also really fun I'm an exciting in Boston College. Um, it's a beautiful campus, a great institution. Um, so far, so good. And I'm crossing my fingers that it continues to be um, a really great experience. So yeah, it's been pretty good. That's awesome. Um, and I know it's, it's yeah, uh, like going from the, the student aspect of it to the teaching part is, is so different because yeah. <laughs> kind of as a student, you kind of sit back and, and you kind of absorb everything. But as a teacher, yeah. you really have to kind of implement what you know to get like, right. engaged. So that's, that's really tough. Um, and yeah, so I guess like um, for those who are a little less familiar uh, with the work that you do um, and, and the courses that you teach, um, can you please give like a little more background to that um, and, and like the type of research that you do? Sure. So in terms of teaching, um, I'm of course like a, an urban sociologist mixed with like medical sociology, uh, social psychology, um, and uh, environmental social. And so I teach courses uh, related to those things. Um, last semester, um, I taught research methods and environmental studies um, for the environmental studies program. And this semester I'm teaching urban sociology. In the past, I've taught like medical sociology, um, the social psychology of prejudice, um, social problems um, in classes like that. So I'm uh, really well-versed in like the idea of like inequality, uh, well, courses on inequality, courses on the environment and courses on health and like urban spaces. And that also reflects like my research agenda. So as you, as you mentioned earlier, my research is like at that intersection of um, spatial inequality specifically um, in cities and in neighborhoods um, and how that type of inequality is um, raced and classed 
and how those uh, uh, racial and uh, class patterns of inequality in cities impact the health of residents in certain neighborhoods in um, cities around the U.S. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely uh, really cool. Is there anything like in particular that you look to accomplish here? At, I know you've been here for about a little over a semester now, but um, is there, do you have any like big goals or anything? So, yeah, um, I would definitely love to, um, I've, I've been able to reach out and kind of do some networking with some of the faculty here, um, especially folks in um, uh, the School of Social Work and um, at the Lynch School, I think of education. Um, and some folks um, in EADS and the English department. Um, so just really continuing to like, not only like make colleagues, make new, co meet new colleagues um, and create like professional relationships, but also, uh, you know, personal relationships, friendships with um, other like young um, or newer faculty on campus. And, and of course, you know, some uh, of course, older faculty as well. Um, so that and, uh, participating um, and kind of collaborating and working with some of the, the research centers. Um, I, I had a chance just recently to meet with the director of the Women's Center, and that's been great. I'm looking forward to doing some work with them. And I love to do uh, some work or just like be a part of the events that other um, research centers um, on campus. So that's really what I'm looking forward to, just kind of expanding, you know, doing more networking and getting to know everyone here at Boston College. I'm hoping in the future that I'll be doing work with uh, folks in the Integrated Science Center, um, uh, especially like the engineering um, program and um, like that intersection of the engineering and environmental um, health um, and social program. So I don't have an office space there yet, but give me a year or two. I'm working on getting an office space there. Um, is there any like for, regarding your research, is there any like specific area that directly applies to, let's say, like Boston now that we're here, like the city itself? Um, if you want to go into that at all, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but I'm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. So, you know, my research so far has focused on cities in the uh, southern United States. But of course, I'm here in Boston, which is, you know, a city a large city, a very diverse city in many different ways that is also experiencing um, a lot of inequality of different types related to like infrastructure and the built environment. So there's definitely opportunities um, as someone who studies cities to do some research here. Um, I am in conversation with some folks at Boston College that are doing some really, really amazing work um, um, on um, in Boston around housing, uh, public housing and health and housing redevelopment. Um, and so hopefully I get a chance to work with them. Um, I've also been in talks with some of the nonprofits in Boston. There's a organization, uh, Speak for the Trees Boston, I believe, that does really great work in Roxbury um, um, around like, uh, not just in Roxbury, but around Boston, around like keeping the trees that are there. Um, there um, and planting more trees in urban spaces because you know we know a lot about how important trees are, um, especially in urban spaces. They provide a lot of like ecosystem services, shade and oxygen, and um, uh, in terms of like urban heat, it keeps cities uh, or keeps neighborhoods less less hot. Um, so 
that's really important. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing research in Boston and collaborating with other like scholars in Boston, not just at BC, but also just, you know, at the, one of the many other like institutions in Boston, there's like several. So yeah, I'm definitely, I would definitely love to kind of shift my research focus to what's going on in Boston. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, yeah, you said like so much about how um, your work applies to real world situations and mm -hmm. really fixing like the current current environment um, society, uh, especially in the cities, which is like mm -hmm. so prevalent now because of like COVID, um, mm -hmm. yeah. the economy kind of restarting completely um, after mm -hmm. a year of kind of a pause. Um, mm -hmm. Which is which is really important. Um, I guess, like, are, are there any like real kind of world situations that, um, or, or any specific findings that you've you've found that have related to Boston or just um, your work in general? That's a great question. So, again, most of my work has focused on the South, but I feel like you know, in cities in the South are quite different in cities in the Northeast in terms of like how they're built and, you know, population density, um, cities here are much closer together and much more compact. And there, are, you know, there's a lot more like multifamily, multi-unit housing. And so people are just a lot closer, which I think has direct impact on like what we know about cities and health, especially in, with, in a pandemic, right. With people living so close together and sharing elevators, sharing, um, um, buses and subways and all this shared space that's kind of um, inevitable. It's kind of hard to avoid being around people when you live in a big city. I think um, there's room for research there. And the research that I've done has focused on access to resources. And there is inequality in Boston in terms of ac access to certain resources, um, like grocery stores or pharmacies or parks. Um, especially in this day and age where it's better to be outside than inside. So I think those, that research that I've done has, um, well, is directly related to what's going on in Boston, but other research related to like just transit, like access to transit or just having sidewalks rather than, you know, um, or not having sidewalks um, is relevant um, for, for what's going on in Boston. So I'm, um, there's some research that's directly related to Boston, I think, like I said, the access to resources, but I love to kind of examine Boston on its own. Um, and so I'm looking forward to doing that. But yeah, there's definitely some relation to the things that are going on in Boston, especially, like I said, with the pandemic. Did you have any like concerns coming here to Boston? As you said, you did all your research in the South. So was this like a was this like in your mind like a new opportunity to different types of research or was it more like okay this, this is going to be like a challenge but I'm looking forward to it um honestly I thought of it as a new opportunity to do uh research in other cities I think a part of what a part of the reason that I that my research before focused on the south was that I was in the south and so it was a lot more convenient and I'm also from the south and I care about you know urban cities in the South and there's not as much research on urban life, urban experiences, um, urban inequality that's focused on Southern cities. So that was a big reason why I did that. But moving to Boston, that's just made me, like I said, more excited to study like the traditional urban city, right? Um, a place like Boston 
Um, and so I'm definitely excited about it. It's, it's, it would definitely be challenging because things are a lot different here. Um, like I said, the way the city is uh, like spatially arranged is much different than urban cities. Even when it comes to like race and class, that it's a lot. There's a lot more diversity um, than in southern, like ethnic diversity, and than in southern urban cities. So that presents challenges, but good challenges, right? That just means you know more nuanced uh, questions and more complex answers, which is which is nice. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, I know, like, specifically, um, back in the South, um, most of your research was centered around, like, the term, like, multiplied deserted areas mm-hmm. covered, um, which, um, like, kind of describe neighborhoods that have, like, a, a shortage of, um, like, social, economic, and health-related re- health resources. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how has that research been, and, and how do you see that changing um, between cities, um, either in the South or up North in Boston? Yeah, so yeah, the term uh, multiply deserted areas, yeah, it, like you said, it has to do with um, neighborhoods experiencing multiple types of like resource, scary, resource scarcity um, that has like a compounded effect. Like, so it's equivalent of like um, you living in a neighborhood and there's no parks, right, which has its own impacts on maybe health and um, physical activity um, or mental health, but the neighborhood also doesn't have like a quality grocery store. Right. So then that presents just it kind of like uh, it's compounded, as I said. So in addition to the park issue, there's the food issue. Um, and then and then, you know, maybe it also there isn't there also isn't like a pharmacy. So that's just another like issue that creates like a compounded impact on not only physical health, because those are all resources that are directly related to directly related to physical health. But it also has an impact on um, our mental health. Right. Um, just living in a neighborhood where there's resource scarcity, where there's things that we, that people need, but they don't have. And people recognize when they live in a neighborhood that doesn't have the things that other neighborhoods have, right? And that there's an impact of that on mental health. Um, so that research is going great. Um, I'm continuing that research. Um, I've, I just, uh, got a paper on multi deserted areas uh, published in environmental sociology. And so that will be out really, really soon. Um, and so I look forward to continuing in that area, um, you know, shifting the focus to green space and uh, types of green space and how that matters. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, that's been a really fruitful project um, that I'm, I'm really interested in like examining in this different space that is uh, Boston. How have you like integrated all this research that you've done into your classes that you taught here at BC? Because obviously a lot of this research is like, it's really good and really relevant. So do you make it like um, something like, is, is it like a necessity for you to always bring in your research? Cause it's like real, real world stuff inside the classroom. Well, so fortunately the classes I've taught so far or I'm teaching so far have been really directly relevant um, to the research that I do. And so last um, fall when I taught research methods, um, my dissertation was quantitative research that involved, you know, um, uh, a traditional quantitative research with um, census data, but it also involved spatial analysis. And then um, it was mixed. My dissertation was mixed methods, meaning I did some quantitative stuff and qualitative research. And so I did in-depth interviews as well. And so all of that research experience that I had working on, you know, my 
research agenda definitely informed the research methods class, right? Because it would be hard to teach students about spatial analysis if I had never done it before. So I definitely was able to incorporate my research experience and like the challenges that I experienced doing research, right? Um, into how I taught the, the course and what things that I taught about the course, right? So we talked about the good stuff, the challenges that you may face when you're, when you're a researcher trying to, um, you know, uh, get a survey out or get IRB approval or understand, you know, your regression results, all of that came up. And then again, fortunately for me, this semester, I'm teaching urban sociology, right? And I study urban spaces. So it was, you know, we have a week um, this semester where we'll focus on environmental inequality, right? In the built environment. So we'll talk about resources, but we'll also talk about other aspects of environmental justice, like pollution, in urban cities, right? Air pollution or noise pollution or, um, you know, um, the siting of like uh, environmentally hazardous industries near neighborhoods. And so all of that will come up and it's all really relevant. So it's been really easy to fold my research area into my classes so far. That's really great, yeah. Um, and I guess like you mentioned, um, your research and uh, kind of conducting um, like surveys and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, like how exactly do you, would you conduct a survey or, or conduct research? Like what would be the steps in that? And like, are, are there certain like groups of people that you, you'd identify as people um, for surveying or, or how's, how's that process been? Yeah, so um, I think the first step you would do is identify obviously like your research question, like what do you want to find out? And after you kind of identify that or, or your set of research questions, I think the next step would be identifying the population that you want to know more information about, right? And whether that population could be just anybody or there's like a specific population that you're aiming to find our information from, right? And once you do that, because you're involving the human beings, you have to get uh, IRB approval, right? And so, you know, it, that would involve like creating the survey, of course. Um, it's always great to use survey questions or measures that have been done before that are valid that you don't have to prove um are you know are, are valid or, or or measure which is what you want to measure um so using surveys that have been used before obviously and then getting approval from irb which um is this uh the authority over uh research that involves um any sort of interaction with humans or, uh, and, you know, different populations, right? And so that that's the key part. Once you get past IRB, um, you have your surveys ready to go and they've been approved. Um, then from there, it, it's, it, it's pretty much, in terms of data collection, it's pretty much downhill from there. But that's, that's the big part. Um, understanding what you want to do, finding a population, getting approval to do research with that population, I would say. What has been like the most rewarding thing that you've um run into so far during your i mean i, I know you just you just became a professor but yeah. I guess before you be, became a professor or, or since you become one like in in this field what's been the most rewarding part about it hmm that's a great question i would say i'll say so Although this is my first year as a professor, this isn't my first year teaching. And I think my interactions with students and like keeping in touch with students and students coming back and saying, 
I took your, I took your, you know, your so-and-so class, you know, last semester, and it was really um, insightful, and it helped me with this or with that. Um, I've already had students who took my research methods class that were really, you know, invigorated and excited about doing their own research and have since like reached out to me about, you know, with questions about their research or, you know, wanting to do research with me. And that's been really exciting. I think that's one of the best parts about being faculty, um, being able to teach students, but also like mentor students and like field questions from students um, regarding like their life you know their academic life and grad school and you know I love giving advice <laughs> and so um having students reach out to me for advice has been really nice and it makes you feel like okay well people think I know what I'm doing I do know what I'm doing but sometimes you're not sure if other people are convinced as well so the fact that students reach out to me for advice on things related to academics and you know their future careers has has been the most rewarding I think yeah, definitely. I mean, I know like the, the certain classes you, you took, um, urban sociology, um, and then um, the, the environmental studies one, I, I think are core classes um, each mm -hmm. of those years. Um, so it's it's really great probably to have like students who are really kind of passionate about that rather than just kind of checking off a box for, I don't know, say like the, the I don't know, university core. So right. Um, yeah, um, but but that's really interesting. Um, I guess kind of like looking forward, I know you've kind of touched on this before. Um, are there any kind of like major goals um, that you, you'd want to accomplish um, either at BC or just in your career? Um, I know you, you've talked a lot about the like work opportunities uh, and partnerships uh, in Boston, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything kind of more long term or um, anything in that, in that direction? So, yeah, so I think the goal for most faculty, most tenure track faculty would be six years from now, um, like tenure. Um, that's, that's, that's a big goal. Right. And in order to kind of like reach that goal, just, you know, continuing to do uh, a great job um, with my research. Right. So continuing to publish really relevant, important um, research in my area, um, I think is a, is, is a goal. Um, that I'm, you know, hoping to continue as well as like continuing to have a really high standard for my teaching um, because that, that's really important to me to, um, to, to be a good teacher. Um, so those two things for sure are like my larger like goals, like do everything that it takes to, uh, you know, get tenure and also like be a, gain that like a, social capital as a sociologist um, and you know again networking and um, kind of making my making a name for myself in environmental slash medical slash urban sociology I think it's my overall overall goal and and staying happy not not letting the job uh, turn into something different that I'm not happy about doing um, so I think those are yeah my overall goals just continue to be passionate about this um area um and you know making a name for myself um as a sociologist in this area yeah that's really great um i guess just wrapping up here one last question mm -hmm. um how can like just ordinary people or like college students like us become more informed about like you know these issues that you've been researching 
um, because I know not everyone's like, oh, I need to be more informed. But, you know, if I'm sure there's like a, a I'm sure you have great resources that you would love to recommend. So that's a great question. And it's, and, you know, aside from like subscribing or like having, um, being a part of like the professional organizations within, um, like the academic organizations. Right. So if this is like, there's like a sociologist or someone who's interested in sociology, um, like being a part of ASA and not only that, but being a part of certain sections. So if you're someone who is interested in like poverty, um, and inequality, there's sections within the American Sociological Association section memberships um, that you can have and be a part of, which means you get you get email blasts about um, workshops and and new articles um, and things relevant to the issues you care about. Um, and there's several other sections, so that would be one way. Like so, joining a professional organization uh, as a student and um, having a section membership in whatever whichever like sub area that you're interested in but also one way that i've kind of been able to keep up with like things here and now um is social media um and what i mean by that is like on twitter um it's as simple as well instagram it's as simple as following a hashtag that's relevant for you so on my professional instagram i follow like hashtag environmental justice or hashtag envi um environmental sociology hashtag urban inequality um um, hashtag EJ. Um, and so what that means is when people make a post, whether it's someone who's like a public scholar or like a news site or any uh, activist in that area, usually when people make posts, they hashtag it with all of these things so that people are able to find it. And that, and it, so if you follow those hashtags, you get that type of stuff on your feed um, each day. Um, you can do the same thing, I think, um, on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure about Facebook, <laughs> but for sure on Twitter and on Instagram and on TikTok, right? You can just look up the, you can look up the TikTok, um, look up the hashtag on TikTok and that's really interesting stuff. The other day I looked up for my urban social class, I looked up a uh, hashtag urban city and there was, there were a lot of like urban planners talking about like social problems um, related to urban planning. That was really interesting stuff, really cool, you know, really cool TikToks. Um, and so that's one way you kind of, you can keep abreast of what's going on in whatever area you're interested in social media. Yeah. Well, um, thank you, Dr. Satcher so much for joining us. This, I, this was a really great conversation. Thank you all for having me. I really enjoyed this. This was really nice. Y'all did a great job. Thank you. And of course, um, we hope everyone enjoyed this interview and learned more about Dr. Satcher's work as an urban sociologist and activist. And uh, thank you for listening to Eagle Eye and make sure to turn in next time for our next episode.